one guest, 10 songs, 10 reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. My guest on today's Music Was My First Love is Cardiff singer-songwriter and old friend of Radio Glamorgan, Tom Alton, and we'll hear from Tom after his first choice, which is from Royal Blood, and I only lie when I love you. Welcome back to Radio Glamorgan, Tom. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? All right, thank you. And you're fresh back from South Africa. I am indeed. A good tour? A good tour, yeah, it was good, very warm. You telling me before it's there, summer? It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty much, so you get off the plane and it's like 31 degrees, wow. and from the British, six. So it's, <laughs> it's quite the, uh, yeah, it's quite the change, but it's lovely, yeah, really nice over there. Good, and the, and the gigs were good? Gigs were great, yeah, we had, we had um, nine shows, and yeah, they all went really well. Good. You're very welcome to this edition of Music Was My First Love. Tell us about your first choice from Royal Blood. Uh, so Royal Blood, just from every sort of sense, I mean, I'm, I'm also a producer, so for me, just the production on that song is fantastic. Just the way that, you know, they've only got two instruments. They've got bass guitar and drums. That That is pretty much, okay, there's a couple of, like, shakers and some tambourines here and there, but just in general, the production on that song is fantastic. Obviously, there's vocals as well. But, yeah, just sort of fell in love with that riff. It's kind of like a perfect mix between... Sort of, like, it's got a bit of groove to it, but it's just a lot of gritty, heavy, dirty sort of sounds, which I really, really like. And just the way they play, the way they use scales when they're playing, his voice is really understated in that song. Just really simple, just great hooks. Have I seen them on later? I'm sure they've been on Jules Holland. They might have been a, maybe a year or two ago. Yeah, or something. That, yeah that, that would make sense. They probably would have done that. Was there music at home growing up? Yes, there was. The music at home growing up was. Well, actually, it was mainly, like, through my own choice of what I kind of liked. I, I loved the punk rock, kind of, when I was growing up. So I loved Green Day. Yeah. Uh, I used to love, like, Paramore, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, my music my music taste kind of changed a little bit. So it, it started off with that. And then, as I sort of started listening to some more commercial radio, I assumed that, oh, that's what I should be liking, because everyone else likes that. So then I started sort of subconsciously liking pop music and, you know, liking whatever, Robbie Williams, whatever, whatever yeah. was coming out, you know, the latest thing out of X Factor would be ah, it's great because that's that's kind of what you're told that you should be liking because that's what's all that's all that's been playing yeah. really on the on the main sort of stations you know, like Radio One Capital, which is what people my age used to listen to. As I sort of grew, as soon as I grew up, and I, I sort of gained more of a musical opinion for myself, and actually realised no, I I don't have to like that just because everyone else likes it. And what I really like is rock music. Yeah, so that's that's kind of like how I ended up sort of where I am. But yeah, so like Green Day and Paramore and that kind of like stuff was what I listened to when I was younger. And when did you realise that it was something that you you wanted to do and you knew you had the ability to get up and perform? Um, I I picked up a guitar. Oh, well, in fact, I went to go watch Green Day um, when I was ten, which is a questionable choice by my dad. Yeah. But you know, because all the swearing and everything. But you know, in hindsight, what a great what a great decision. I, yeah, I went to watch them in Birmingham uh, in the NEC. Billy Joel, the lead singer, was playing. Um, he was playing Time of Your Life, which is like an acoustic yeah. acoustic one of theirs. And I turned to my dad and said, Dad, I want to do that. And he sort of just laughed at me and said, okay. And then I spoke to him about it after and said, oh, I'm serious, Dad. I really I really want to do what he's doing. I really want to be on stage. I want to be playing. And he's like, okay. Well, first of all, let's start you on guitar then. So I was like, okay, deal. So I'll get you a guitar for your, your 11th birthday. And if you can learn Time of Your Life in three months, then I'll buy you a nice guitar. So I said, challenge accepted. Yeah. So I went on YouTube and every day for three hours 
after school i'd i'd practice that song to whatever whatever the youtube tutorial was and um yeah i ended up getting that guitar that i wanted and yeah and then singing just kind of followed with it really i think this it just sort of came on as like the natural thing to kind of do i think that in fact the reason why i started doing it is because i sent my uncle who lives in australia a video of me playing time of your life and said you know look what i've done and he's quite cynical and just kind of he replied with that's good you going to sing then (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh okay maybe i should start singing so then i i sort of learned how to sing it as well and singing and playing at the same time was quite quite a challenge but i'm glad i learned when i did because i think if i tried to learn now i don't think i'd have the patience for it i think i'm glad that i learned when i did because i had that free time where i just thought well yeah you've got like four or five hours after school every day where you pretty much do nothing so it's interesting that you say it was difficult to get used to playing and singing because i know a friend of mine years and years ago went to see the police Mm -hmm. and he was fascinated by the fact that sting could sing one tune and play a different one on the bass yeah, well, it's it's that a weird it's a weird thing to do. It is a really weird thing to do. It's kind of like I don't know, like drumming. I find drumming like I've sat down at a drum kit, and it's kind of like you have to uncoordinate every part of your body. Every part of your body is doing a different thing. You've got a solid rhythm with your right hand. Yeah. Your snare is like maybe well, depending on what 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 you're playing, and then you and you you add the the kick into the mix, and the kick is just doing something completely different. It's it's just yeah, it's it's hard to like uncoordinate parts of your body. And you know BB King couldn't do it. If you if you ever got to see BB King live, or even if you listen on the recordings, he couldn't play guitar and sing at the same time. Oh, I suppose yeah, that makes sense with the space. So he would yeah. sing like basic whilst he was playing basic chords yeah. and then he would sort of do his little blues his blues fills after the vocals, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Tell us about um Psycho for Muse. Psycho for Muse. It's just to sum it up, it's just a riff it's just a huge huge riff and i saw muse live at reading festival in 2016 despite how drunk i was it still was like it's just the perfect set opener it's just it's just like this is who we are go nuts you know it it's it's just like it's such a a huge courageous riff and yeah just i mean the production a guy called chris lord algae he produced it. and then something about the production of this track so the guitars on this song each guitar was stacked seven times so they recorded the same part seven times with right. seven different sounds to make up the one huge sound over and over each other over oh, and wow. over yeah so they'll have one it wouldn't just be another take it would be a different sound that possesses a different quality that that fattens up that kind of that huge huge guitar sound that you hear So you've learnt to play guitar, mm-hmm. and you've learnt to sing as well. Well done. Cheers. <laughs> when did you know that you had the ability for writing? Because just because you can play and sing doesn't mean that you can write songs. Sure. Because it, it's crafting. It, the, the, there's a craft involved in it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think when I started doing songwriting, it was, it was merely just like an amalgamation of other things that I've heard that I sort of regurgitated in a different order. 
looking back on it now, I think, you know, I thought I was creating something, but when, when really it was just a lot of things that I'd heard on the radio or that had influenced me, I thought, oh, I like this bit, like that bit. Yeah. And I, I, I can listen back now to a song that I maybe wrote when I was, say, 12 and pinpoint exactly every section of a song that I've nicked from <laughs> someone else, pretty much. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't so much as call that songwriting as creatively stealing things. Yeah, yeah when I started, I don't know, maybe, maybe I was, like, it, it, I think, I think... I think it wasn't really until I was, say, like 15, 16. I'd written loads of songs before then, but a lot of it was like melodic writing. So I'd write original, my own, definitely my own sort of chords, vocal melodies. But a lot of the lyrics didn't really mean anything, I think, when I first started songwriting. It was just that, well, because a lot of the music that's on the radio it has a lot of nothingness about it. It's not really about anything. They're no. just kind of a lot of lyrics that sound good, that make you feel good. And I think that's the kind of music I was writing. Because I did write sort of pop commercial music for a while. Again, because that's what I thought. You know, I should be writing because everyone likes that kind of stuff. But then I didn't really write my first proper... Looking back on it now, I'd call it a proper song until I was about 16. Because I, I knew it was a proper song at the time because I thought, I really connect to this and this means something to me. And every lyric was in there for a reason. It wasn't in there because it rhymes. It wasn't in there because, you know, it filled the gap that I needed. Every lyric in the song that I'd written, and it was a song called Money Man, that song really changed songwriting for me because I was like wow you can actually write a whole song that means something and it's not just you know three minutes of oh I'm I'm writing this and I'm singing this because I know it's what you want to hear rather than this is how I'm feeling and this is my way of venting it so yeah I think I was I was sort of 16 when I realized that I could actually write a song what is the writing process is it lyrics first music is it whatever comes is it a bit of everything together it's very rarely Will I write lyrics first? I mean, sometimes a song could stem from a lyrical idea or a... I don't know, so I might just write down a note randomly. Because a lot of the time I don't have time to sit down and be like, right, now I'm going to write a song. Mm. So inspiration can come at any time. I could be driving, so I'll, hold, I'll ask Siri to record a voice note and then I'll just... It could be a lyric or something that's popped into my head or a melody or anything like that. But often now with the music that I'm writing, it's a riff that comes first. So a riff or a melody or a motif and then a vocal melody will sort of form around that and then lyrics are genuinely the last thing that I put on which used to be a detriment to, to how I was writing because I wouldn't then pay as much attention to the lyrics because I thought I'd write a really strong riff or you know chords chord structure chord progression and then I'd write a great melody and I think great lyrics don't really need to matter now and I think yeah when I was and then that sort of when I was 16 I realised that every inch of a song Every every second you put into a song needs to be thought through, and not just there, because. Mm. Now, when you came on the night train, and you did this, mm -hmm. which you can hear in the background, you didn't tell me it was the first song you considered that you proper song that you wrote. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think looking back on it now, maybe since even since we had that had that interview, that may have kind of realised that that really was my first proper song, and I've yeah. written songs before that, but I wouldn't. Again, they were just more of like an amalgamation of everything that I'd, that I'd heard. Tell me about Alan Stone and Bed I Made. Oh, okay. This, again, there's a, there's a very big mix in this collection of songs. And then the first two are quite sort of grungy, quite heavy rock. And this song is totally different. This song I heard, because I, I own a Taylor guitar, and Taylor Guitars on their Facebook did a, like, a Taylor guitar session. So they, they'd get a different artist in every week or however, however often that they did the actual sessions. And Alan Stone was one of them. And he played this song called Bed I Made. And it just... The chords and his, oh, his voice 
is insane. And I actually feel the, the version he did for the Taylor guitar sessions is better than the actual track. Um, just because I feel like it was a lot... I don't know, it just... The, I could tell it was a very original, very pure, very raw in this in this um, Taylor sessions that he did, and the song just like I I watched it must have been like thirteen, fourteen times when I I heard it the first time. I thought, oh my word, wow! Like this guy's voice is nuts. His lyrically, the content was great. I loved what the like I loved the sentiment of the song. I loved the chords he was playing were just I've not seen some of the chords before, and I was just like, wow, what an absolute inspiration! And yeah. Total, total game changer of a song. Now, your next choice is a classic track from a classic band. Mm -hmm. Tell us about this one. Talking Heads. Yeah, I mean, this, this track I actually stumbled across not too long ago. It was on a playlist that I was listening to on Spotify. Cause I often like to just li just put something on in the background if I've got stuff to do, you know, I don't know dishes, whatever. Yeah. And I just kind of let it let it play there. And if there's anything that just kind of grabs my attention, then I sort of go over and see what it is. And I've literally initially maybe a couple months ago, I only came across this track, which is quite strange considering how big the song was. And um, yeah, I don't know. It just had such a, a unique sort of bounciness to it that. I don't know, just the vocals, everything. They're kind of like, it's just sort of free time, spoken word vocals. Like with music, someone said something, my Uber driver actually, weirdly, the other day, said, we were talking about music, and he said that music, music does a couple of things. It either takes you to a desired place or makes people feel understood, which is actually very, very true. Yeah. That's kind of what music is split into two places. It's either you have music that kind of just either makes you feel something, happy, sad, or songs that make people feel understood. And this one just made me feel really happy. I was listening to it, and I, I just didn't actually care what it was about. I just thought, this is great. You know, I was told by someone years ago, you should have a song for positive thinking. Mm -hmm. Now, my two positive thinking songs are Born to Run, Okay. And the boys are back in town by Thin Lizzy. Brilliant. Lyric has nothing to do with that. It. It's just it how just it makes you feel. It gives you that feeling. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's what music does. It takes you to that desired place, which is what he said. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you, now, a few months ago you came on the night train, uh, did a great set for us, um, and I had a list of things I wanted to talk about, particularly one thing that we talked a lot about off-air, but we didn't have the time, mm -hmm. which was independent artists. Now, yep. I always thought that the idea of an independent artist was someone who wants that big break and will do everything he can, but the impression I got from you was, yeah, that would be great, but you don't actually want to be tied up with the big conglomerates. There, yeah, there is that. I think I, I didn't. I wouldn't want to label an independent artist as someone that wasn't like that would want that or wouldn't want that. I think a lot of independent artists, they they they're kind of sort of misguided by what a record deal is. They kind of they say we want a record deal because they've seen larger acts who have record deals who are you know who are famous and have this all this ad adoration and and all these things, but they don't actually see all the bad stuff that comes with it. I think because all all a record label is is a company that provides money, and yes, they'll have they'll have. And they have a couple of contacts as well. Mm. So, but you could get money side of things. You could definitely get something like that just from an investor, like just someone who has money that believes in your music, that they could act like your label. So, I mean, if and especially if an independent artist, you've got to do all the work yourself. Yeah. So you need to know about, you probably should have a publisher just through writing great songs, sending them out to people. You can do that yourself. That's what a record label would do for you. They try and get you signed 
you know, publishing deals or they'll try and get you, you know, man- a management contract or something like that. Um, but yeah, the, the, my my view on it is I'm doing it because I love it. But obviously, of course, yeah, it would be great if sort of the popularity of what I was doing sort of increased. And yeah, but I, I'm not, I, I would not lose sleep if I never got a record deal. I just, I just think a lot of the, the contracts that they're, that they're giving out are just so dodgy it's just like what you're actually signing up for is ridiculous you need like, to get us a lawyer to check it and well not even that but check that. but even then there's there's people that sign it knowing full well what what they're signing like signing up for and it's just because they they really they, they i want to say they were desperate they are literally desperate yeah. to be famous and they're desperate to have that confirmation from other people that that, that their music's good bit of ego yeah kind of a, a little bit but because music has changed to the extent that we have downloads if the right people, for example, were listening to that Night Train show, mm-hmm. and then tell someone else, and tell someone else, and tell someone else. There is nothing stopping you as an independent artist waking up one morning and finding you've got the best-selling single in the UK. But that's the thing. You so can do that. happened 30 years ago. No, well, because everything went through a label. Yeah. You know, every, that's, just, that's just the way it was. But with, you've got Spotify. You've got, you know, Spotify putting independent artists on big playlists. Like, one of my songs got landed on a, on a rock playlist, which had over a hundred thousand followers and that's now bumped up my monthly listeners from say like a few hundred to a few thousand so now and that's people that are just listening every day so that's like 200 300 people more than what i had listening every single day and yeah it's insane and then i mean yeah that's a that's just a small portion of of what you can do as an independent artist you can do so much you don't need a record label you really don't probably is easier now easier in terms of you've not got a something a contract screwing you over for the rest of your life but it'll probably take long. In fact, it'll definitely take longer. Yeah. Because you've got to do all the things that a record label would do yourself. You do all your own publicity. You've got publicity, everything like that. Tell me about your next choice, which is Double Denim Hot from Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. So they're a, um, they're a Cardiff, or a, a Welsh band. They, I mean, just this song, again, just takes you to a desired place. It just, like, it just makes me like jump for joy it's such an incredibly well-written song and i think tom the lead singer i think he produced it as well which is even more impressive just it's the 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 hook is do the double denim hop it's just like a totally carefree lyric and it's just something that i think a lot of people just get it's perfect when you play it live everyone goes nuts they jump they go mental and it's just like it's such a brilliant track Broadcasting from the John Wills Studio at the University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff. We are Radio Glamorgan. They quietly understand the once happy to cause honestly opposite Just like my favourite guitar solo of all time. You just don't think it can get any better and then he just brings in a key change. It's just like, it's insane. Uh, his vocals, everything. Yeah, just, just like the guitar solo makes that track for me. It's just like some, some part of the guitar solo. I was like, how the hell do you need that? It's ridiculous. He's got a massive following. He has, yeah. I mean, he sells out a few nights of the O2 on on the casual. Oh, we <laughs> on the casual. Oh, yeah. I'll just do the O2 for well, a bit. Well, he doesn't have any support acts. No. He just, it's just him for two hours or whatever it is, two, three hours. He with just, a band? No, with, so he'll, well, he'll play, he'll do John Mayer solo, John Mayer trio 
and then I think then just John Mayer. Like it's basically, he's like his own support act. Basically, it's like it's stupid. We were saying, being at time of recording, you've just come back from South Africa. Yes, you enjoy touring, playing yeah. live. Yeah, I yeah definitely. I think it's it's something that I could definitely get used to. You know, if someone said, "Oh, you know, we we've got a a thirty date tour over twelve thirteen weeks." Yeah, that would be right up my street. I think it's just like the buzz every day. You know, you're waking up knowing that you've got, you know, you've got like an audience and something that you're going to play to later on. And it's just, yeah, it's it's a real, it's a really good feeling. I mean, as well, if you, especially if you like the people that you're touring with, that's an absolute bonus. Like the, my friend of mine who was stepping in on sax, one of my best mates that I that I've known for a few years. And I got I got him in on the gig because Lita, the artist I play for, she said, "Oh, I need a saxophonist," and I was like. <laughs> I know one. <laughs> so yeah, it was brilliant. We, we were sharing a hotel room. Like it was just a, a right a right laugh. And obviously the gigs were brilliant and weather was great. Food is so cheap out there as well. Yeah, food is like is, I mean I think I had an equivalent. So I had a I think it was like a five hundred gram steak, which is like huge. Like imagine how big that is. Like you got chips, onion rings, and a drink, and it came up to like six pound. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely an incentive to go back. Tell me about your, oh, I've lost count, seventh choice, Nothing But Thieves. Oh, okay, so Nothing But Thieves are probably my, my favourite band at the moment, just purely because of the lead singer, Connor. Um, his vocals are incredible. He's classically trained, and I don't know, for something for some reason, it's the way that he merges the classical sort of technique and training with the rock music that he's got underneath. It just sounds, I don't know, it just does something for me it's just it's just insane i actually met these guys i was on the way from gloucester to go and watch their gig in the motor point and i pulled up to get some petrol and they were in the service station and it was kind of one of those moments where i was a bit starstruck i was like uh, what do you say so i was just like hi i'm gonna watch your show later and they were like oh cool enjoy and it was just like the best two seconds of my life <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. It does, yeah. <laughs> Tom Orton is our guest on Music Was My First Left. Tell us about your eighth choice, which is Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. Cool. Yeah, I think it kind of bringing it back to where I used to like a lot of punk music. I think someone described punk music as they believe something isn't right, so they're just going to say exactly how they feel and put you in your place as to why the, to why the, this topic that they're talking about isn't right. And I just love the honesty of this song. It's just raw, brutal, and I love it for that reason. I'm intrigued about your next choice. So this song, I again, I was I was on a Spotify playlist. In fact, it was one I got added to, but I just put it on shuffle because I thought, well, I'll listen to what other music they thought they added on there. And this song, Hannah. Wickland and the Stepping Stones. This track just absolutely blew my face off. It just like, and even through my the quality, like the awful quality of my phone speaker, I was like, oh my word, who is this? Like this is just absolutely insane. And I just love the hook, the bomb through the breeze. It's just like I don't know, just 
uh, like lyrically, just what a strong image, what a what a strong message. Brilliant track. It's not really my type of music, but I do like it actually. It's yeah, it's great. I love it. When you sent me a list through, having performed Superstition, Superstitious for us, I was expecting some stuff I would have heard of. Yes, we had Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. So I was reading down your list and I thought, okay, okay. And then I saw Bonnie Ray. Yeah. Always good with the world. <laughs> you yeah. the song or the artist or both? Definitely the song. The song definitely stands out for me. I felt I heard this song through another artist that covered it, a guy called Bon Iver. Um, he did a version of this, stripped back on the piano and it was just beautiful the song and it, it what it did was it, it really opened up lyrically the content of the song and yeah i just sort of fell in love with it after hearing that version and then obviously bonnie's version as well which is just beautiful it is beautiful she's wonderful she's been around for so long mm-hmm. so you've had a busy year yep uh lots of gigs i read about all the time mm-hmm. uh you got new music coming out when this show goes out the first time you got new music being released in two days time i do and if that record company comes knocking? Well, we'll see. See what it says on the paper. See what it says. If it's not going to uh, be a massive ball ache, pretty yeah. much, then then sure. Good to see you again. Thanks for coming. Thank here. you very much for having me. Pleasure. You've been listening to another edition of Hospital Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love, where Cardiff singer-songwriter Tom Orton has been choosing ten of his favourite tracks. Join us again next time when another guest will choose ten of their favourite songs on another edition of Music Was My First Love. Sitting in the morning sun Cheers, Tom. Thank you.